Welcome back, friends and listeners, to your favorite true crime podcast, Truth, Lies, and Alibis, by two 911 dispatchers. Episode 22. We hate hate crimes. In honor of June being Pride Month, we talk about Michelle Abdiel and Roxanne Ellis, who were the victim of a hate crime. We all get real riled up in this one, so buckle in. And to those who celebrate, happy Pride. Jess, do you have your one thing today? I do have my one thing, and it's easily explainable again, so you don't have to get on my back and ask me for scientific facts. I'm never going to let I'm, that down. Nope, never. I'm not a scientist. Okay? <laughs> okay. Did you know the smallest mammal in the world is a bumblebee bat? <laughs> it Aww. weighs 0.05 to 0.07 ounces. And it's a tiny little thing. Average wingspan is five and a half inches. Aww. It's itty bitty. I have to look this up now. I want to see a picture. It's native to southwest Thailand. That was going to be my only question. Nailed it. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. <laughs> the other night we were having a bonfire and there was a bat flying around and I saw it and I pointed it out to Nova. She missed it and she goes, oh, I want to see it so bad. Bats are so cute. She's right. Bats are cute. They are so cute. Speaking of Nova, we went to Pride this last weekend. Happy Pride, everybody. <laughs> and today's story is kind of Pride related-ish. Well, not Pride related, but I wanted to do a story that kind of had to deal with the LGBTQ community because mm-hmm. it is Pride Month. And unfortunately, LGBT people are nine times more likely than non-LGBTQ people to be victims of violent hate crimes. So their community is at higher risk. And so I wanted to tell a story like we did last year. I thought it would be a good time. Today's story begins in Medford, Oregon. Medford, Oregon is home to 223,259 people. It is the fourth largest metro area in Oregon, and according to 2015 FBI data, Medford was ranked as the most dangerous city in Oregon, with 502 violent crimes and 6,543 property crimes per every 100,000 residents. I was just about to say that I'm pretty sure that I've been there. I've been there. I was like, I was like, I've been there. And you're like, most scariest. And I was like, (gasps) (laughs) I've been there for a funeral like last year. And it was a pretty place. Anyway, that's a lot of crime for that community. Um, In 1990, Michelle Abdul and Roxanne Ellis moved to Medford, Oregon from Colorado Springs, Colorado. The two had met in Colorado. Roxanne was a divorced mother of two who worked in an OBGYN office when Michelle got a job in the same doctor's office and the two hit it off and became life partners. Um, They moved actually to Oregon because of all the hate that the LGBTQ community was receiving in Colorado. Mm -hmm. In Oregon, the couple had started a successful property management business and the two were elected to the board of their church which is crazy because you know as we were just discussing previously sometimes religion isn't always friendly but in their spare time the two worked on restoring their old craftsman style home and visiting their three-year-old granddaughter they also worked as activists fighting two ballot initiatives in the years of 1992 and 1993. Measure 9, which intended to amend the state constitution to make homosexuality, this is a quote, abnormal, wrong, unnatural, and perverse. And Measure 19, which intended to restrict any library access for materials, this is another quote, related to homosexuality. 
So they were really fighting for a cause. Yeah. In 1995, Michelle and Roxanne had been together for 12 years. And on December 4th, Roxanne went to an appointment with 27-year-old Robert Ackerman to show him an apartment. He had made the appointment earlier that day. Roxanne called her daughter around 1600 to tell her she was going to go shopping. And at 1700, Michelle left their office and told others that Roxanne had called her and needed a jumpstart for her car. Later in the day, Roxanne's daughter would drive over to the apartment complex where her appointment with Robert was. She saw her mother's pickup, but as she pulled up, the truck pulled away. And I think she tried to follow it, but kind of lost where it was going. No one would see Michelle and Roxanne again until their bodies were discovered four days later on December 8th, 1995. They were discovered wrapped in drapes and covered in cardboard boxes in the back of Roxanne's pickup. They had been bound, gagged, and shot in the head. So the vehicle had been parked and somebody had called it in as suspicious. And when they went to look, they found the bodies in the back of the truck. Wow. After the bodies were discovered, it caused concern within the couple's community. They had received previous threats for the activism on gay rights issues. And the community suspected that they were victims of a hate crime. The National Gay and Lesbian Task Force wrote to the Attorney General Janet Reno to request that the U.S. Department of Justice assist in the investigation. In the letter, they cited the Justice Department's guidelines and said it should be considered a hate crime. The police made a composite sketch public that an eyewitness had helped create when he saw a man parking Roxanne's truck in the area it was discovered and walking away. Mm. When Robert Ackerman's mother saw the composite sketch, she called authorities because she suspected her son had been involved in the murders. He had been acting strangely around the time of the murders, and the composite sketch looked very similar to him. She also showed investigators boxes that they had used to move her to Medford, and the labels of the cardboard boxes matched the address labels on the boxes that they found with Roxanne's and Michelle's bodies. Mm. She later told the Oregonian, I think that's how you say that, I called the police because I have to look God in the face. I will do anything in my power to make sure that other people aren't hurt, but right now he's sick. Which I'm like, it's a good thing that you called, because some parents... I mean, as we've talked about previously, they're like, oh, yeah, my kid would never do that. Yeah. And wouldn't want to call. Or just, like, push it aside. Yeah. And not not want their kid to get in trouble. Yeah, even if they knew that they had done it. Most of the time, I feel like they're just in denial. And they just pretend like they don't know. Yeah. Investigators had contacted California authorities when looking for Robert, and they advised that Robert was also being investigated for the disappearance of one of his friends who went missing on October 3rd. When he was arrested on December 13th, 1995, at a Stockton motel room, Robert confessed to the murders of Roxanne and Michelle, and he claimed that he was attempting to rob the couple, and after they refused to write checks made out to him from their business account, he shot them both in the back of the head, execution style, after he had bound and gagged them and forced them to lay in the back of the truck. He also confessed to killing his friend Scott George of Vasilia, California, on October 3rd, 1995, he told investigators he had dumped his body down a mine shaft that was located outside his father's ranch near Stockton. On December 18th, after Robert told his father where the body was, the police discovered Scott's remains at the bottom of an abandoned mine shaft in Calaveras County, California. So, a little bit about Robert. He was born May of 1968. He served in the Air Force. He earned a master's degree in the business administration from Golden Gate University in San Francisco. He went on to work as a district operations manager at a roadway trucking in LA before leaving his job to open his own software business. His company failed and led to depression and the inability to find a job. He was also frustrated because... Ella Kosova, who went by the stage name Ecstasy at a local strip club that he went to, had turned him down. It sounds like he was pretty obsessed with her, 
and she didn't want anything to do with him. Well, it sounds like she made the right choice. Yes. He considered her his girlfriend, even though she did not consider him her boyfriend. And she lived actually in Las Vegas, and he didn't have enough money to go visit her, which I'm like, are you (laughs) delusional? Like... Yes, you're not really visiting clearly. her if you're going. That's, it's that's stalking. It's just, <laughs> it's just weird. So she would later testify in trial in 2007 that, so a little bit about her. She was from Russia. She testified she had cut off their relationship, which began in April of 95. She was only 20 to 21 years old, and it ended August that same year. So apparently they did have a little bit of relationship, but she said it was purely financial and she was a little bit concerned about his obsession with her. behavior? (laughs) She saw those red flags. She was like, "Mm, bye. (laughs) She said he spent up to $3,000 a week on her at the club where she danced, had bought her two pairs of diamond earrings, and had taken her out to dinner, but they had never had sex. Which, whatever, insignificant anyways. If you're going to have sex, have sex. No judgment. But... (laughs) The relationship ended when he spent his savings in retirement fund and then maxed out all his credit cards and he no longer had money. He called her and claimed that a man in New York City had stolen his money and he had none left. So she changed her phone number and severed all ties with him. (laughs) (laughs) She got hers and then got out. Don't do that, people, but it's funny because he's a shitty person who killed people. Obviously delusional. After the murders, he would surface again on her life when he came back to Las Vegas and he spent $5,000 on her. And so he would spend $5,000 on some dancers after he sold his car. So he's like, oh, I killed these people. I'm going to sell my car and then I'm going to go buy some more dances. Yeah, this man's uh, ill. (laughs) So... Um, he took her to dinner on December 10th, and he pulled out a gun and a stun gun as they sat in her truck and told her he had killed three people, two just that week. He then would go on to unscrew the silencer of the gun and showed her that there was blood inside. Was he it, with the intention of bragging about it or threatening her? Probably a little bit of both is my guess. And she would later say, so later she would tell a police officer who was also a regular customer of hers about the murders. But he didn't take it seriously. So it sounds like it was threatening enough and concerning enough that she was like, oh, this is weird. I'm going to talk to my next client who probably spends $5,000 a week on me. And then that guy didn't take her seriously. (laughs) I'm in the wrong line of work. I don't make $5,000 a week. I'm just saying that I've thought about it, okay? I've seriously considered my options. Girls gotta work, and it sounds yeah. like they make pretty good money. Yeah. They're also, like, <laughs> buff as hell. It takes a lot of That's strength true. to dance on the pole. It does. I can tell you. I've I taken pole class classes. Once. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I took, like, two semesters of pole classes, and we did shows and everything, and that is hard. And I would always have these bruises all over my body, and we'd call them pole kisses. <laughs> And I really miss it. I just don't have time. I never took a semester long. Mine was just one for... I lied. I've taken two for two separate bachelorette parties. Well, it's a bachelorette party thing. Do you want to hear something slightly disturbing? Do you know how I know that Las Vegas strippers make bank? Is one of my high school teachers in a job called On the Job that we had to take told us that Las Vegas strippers make bank. And I was like... Are you kidding? People go to Vegas to throw away their money. Of course they make bank. I know, but thinking back now as an 18-year-old girl, maybe my teacher should not have been telling me that. Hey, it works, works. I agree, but... (laughs) 
I'm not, I love pole dancing. Do I think I could get paid for it? Sometimes I like to tell myself I could, but probably not because I have no rhythm. So, <laughs> you know what? I don't think that's what they're paying attention to. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway. <laughs> some of the motives that he said they like shifted over time. So, he said first that he wanted to rob Ellis and Abdul, mm-hmm. and then he said it was a part of his scheme to get ecstasy back. But district attorneys in the case noted that the evidence didn't really match that it was actually a robbery. Because the victim's purses, wallets, jewelry, cell phone, and money were on scene. When Ellis's daughter had arrived at the complex, they had spotted Abdul's unlocked vehicle at the scene with her purse in plain view as well. And mm-hmm. then they had called police. So if he was really going to rob them, you would have thought that he would just take everything. He would take. Yeah, right? Especially if he killed him. Yes. So in August of 1996, he wrote a letter to his hometown newspaper, the Stockton Record, And he said that he intended to kill them, and then knowing they were lesbians made it easier for him. He also wrote that he had killed Scott George because he was bisexual and he had made a pass at him. And then he said it was because he was a victim of childhood sexual abuse. To which I say, okay, you and lots of other people, but they don't go around killing people. Mm Mm-hmm. So he wanted to kill the women anyway, and then because they were lesbians, it made it easier? What did he mean yep. by it made it easier? Okay. I think he's... Cause so he said, I wanted to rob them, and because they wouldn't write his checks, he was like, fine, I'm going to fucking kill you because you're lesbians, basically. Mm. Yeah, which I'm like... Okay, so this guy hit on you and made you feel uncomfortable. Just say, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Move the fuck on. Yeah. You know, this is kind of dovetailing a bit, but... I want to mention it anyway. (laughs) I saw Instagram of a TikTok of kind of very simply putting this topic in very clear statement. So the homophobic men and like the ones that don't want to be around gay men, the ones that really throw fit, a lot of the the reasoning is, well, because I, I, you know, was hit on this one time or I have this really bad experience with this one gay man made a pass at me, made me feel uncomfortable. And that kind of gave me a bad impression of, of all gay men. Cool. Now switch out that man that had a bad interaction with this man, put in a woman, and tell me again why women shouldn't be uncomfortable around men. You're literally in our shoes and you don't understand it. And you had a bad encounter with a gay man, so gay man makes you uncomfortable, but I'm in the wrong here? Cool. When you, I wish people could have seen our faces just then. Because the more Jess talked, the more I was like shaking my head and was like, preach, go, go, go. Because it's so true. And and the guy in the TikTok was like, they stumbled right into the point and then passed right over it and didn't notice. Men. Some men. Not all men, (laughs) but some men. Not all anything. Yeah. No, and that's the thing, right? It's like, just because he's bisexual doesn't mean he's a bad person. Just because they were lesbians doesn't mean they're a bad person. Just because I identify differently than you identify, go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. But like... And guess what? Your shitty personality means I'm not attracted to you regardless of my sexuality. So... You can go to the gym all you want, but you can't work on your personality. I stole that from Jess. (laughs) So he admitted basically that he was homophobic. I mean, yeah, 
So he also stated that he previously had contact with Ellis two weeks before the murders. He had shown up at the same apartment complex and she had shown it to him. And then he, that's when he learned that the two were lesbians. He said he had no problem with bisexual women, but he had, and this is a quote, no compassion for lesbians, bisexual, or gay men. It doesn't fucking matter who you have compassion for. Mind your own fucking business. (laughs) Sorry. Um, FYI, this episode is going to be two very angry women. If you didn't already catch that. (laughs) I feel like that's every episode. Remember when we did Casey Anthony and every other word, I was like, fuck that girl. I hate her. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just saying, um, there will be F-bombs all throughout this. Anyway, apparently he asked them if they were lesbians and they were like, yeah. Well, yeah. And then two weeks later, he called. It's just, it's disgusting. He said it made him sick to his stomach to learn that she was someone's grandma and that he knew that they had been together 12 years and it was just wrong, basically. He would later recant this claim to have killed them because of their sexual orientation because he didn't want to admit that he had been involved in a hate crime. And he, I think he was afraid of how other inmates would see him. Mm-hmm. And he said he actually killed them because it was a sudden urge and he felt like he had to kill them, basically. Cool. None of that's any better. <laughs> he also said that he killed George just because he wanted to test the silencer that he had built for his handgun. Again, not any better. Nope. So after he was arrested and he admitted to everything, he was found guilty, obviously, and he was sentenced to be executed by lethal injection. But by then, Oregon hadn't had an execution for over 30 years. And then he tried to plead not guilty, have it like overturned. But eventually, in the end, he pleads guilty. Well, he admitted it. (laughs) Yeah. And they hold up the death sentence and... (laughs) In February of 2011, an Oregon court declared he was so delusional that he could not assist in his death sentence appeal, and then he was sentenced to actually life without parole. But the motherfucker died anyways of natural causes on October 16th, 2018, and he was also like given a death sentence for the killing of Scott George, so he was going to die anyways. On August 9th, 1996, an LGBT advocacy and education center opened in ashland named the abdul ellis lambda community center in honor of the murdered pair so they opened up a center unfortunately closed in august of 2010 but that's 14 years it was open yeah the murders were also cited in april of 2001 by senator jordan h smith when he argued in the u.s senate on behalf of hate crimes It was on behalf of hate crimes provision proposed for inclusion in the Local Law Enforcement Act of 2001. So they made some changes. They did some things. They were doing things when they were alive, and they probably Mm -hmm. would have done so much more. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that somebody so awful and so full of hate took away these two wonderful people and another person who I didn't really touch on, but I'm sure that he wasn't a horrible person like he tried to make him out to be because... right. (laughs) the guy was straight up crazy okay he believed he was in this relationship with ecstasy who clearly wanted nothing to do with him but his money and he was probably making wedding plans who knows she i feel like she's lucky that she didn't get killed i know right when he pulled out his gun and was like Mm -hmm. oh look at this look at the blood in here yeah anyway i know that was a short one but i felt like it was worth telling 
and murder is never okay, but, like, we especially hate hate crimes around here, okay? Yeah, yeah, we're super, we super hate hate crimes. (laughs) (laughs) As everybody should. Yeah, it's one of those things where I don't want to jump on a soapbox. Hey, this is an opinion podcast, go ahead. But I've done it before, you know? I don't even want to sit through and talk about it again because I do get angry and I get riled up. And, you know, unfortunately, there's hate in this world and people get upset about stupid fucking things that don't matter to them. Like, um, the big thing that gets me is the crowd that thinks that it's this fad and like, oh, well, it's only happening now. How come we're only hearing about it now? Because your world is five times smaller than it used to be. Back in even in the 90s, right? Like we didn't have the Internet like we have it now. I couldn't jump onto Twitter, Instagram or TikTok and see content not only from all over my own country, but from all over the world. Yeah. So, of course, things are louder now because people's voices are louder now. And they should be. Well, yeah. And it's just like you can't ignore something because you think that it's like, oh, well, just because it wasn't that way before. That's one of my in like in life. That's one of the things I hate the most is like, well, we shouldn't do that because we've never done it before. Cool. Well, times change. And like, let's change with the times. Like, yeah, I honestly cannot wrap my head around and I cannot understand hating somebody based on their relationship. Well, and, and like, focus on your own fucking life. Like, who has exactly. that much time to hate somebody who literally doesn't mean like they don't have anything to do with your life? Move on. You're making me angry. Now I'm going to get all angry. I'm just saying, too, like, all this bullshit about how in the news, like, recently, especially, they've been talking about how the link between the gay community and, like, pedophilia. Um, As somebody who's been molested three times, I can tell you that all of them are straight. So I'm just saying. That's the thing. Shitty people are people. Yeah. You're going to find shitty people everywhere. It doesn't matter the group that they're in. Yeah. And I'm not saying like everyone in the LGBTQ community is perfect. Shitty people are people. But just like we've talked about with every occupation, every person out there, no matter what they do, no matter who they are, no matter their sexual orientation, could be a shitty human. I have days where I'm a shitty human. I don't. I'm perfect in every way. I know. Have you seen we this? We can't all be like you. We can only try. <laughs> I just tell myself that. I just wish that, you know, that there are just some people that rational thinking isn't going to reach. Nope. That, and it never will. That they're on whatever whatever reasoning they have, regardless of what it is, that like they're not willing to listen. They're not willing to see other viewpoints. And that's so disappointing because it's like... I don't know. It, I just, I don't know how to explain it because it literally does not make rational sense to me. No. Who the fuck cares? If it's two consenting adults, leave everyone the fuck alone. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think I've said this last June, but like, I am so proud of my daughter for yeah, just being absolutely. herself and being proud of who she is. And also, like, inspiring me to be who I am and to not be apologetic about it. Mm -hmm. And we need more of that. Like, seeing her live her truth and not be afraid. And I know, like, as a mom, I'm kind of scared for her, right? Of stuff like this. Because there are so many people filled with so much hate that they can't get the fuck over themselves. Leave everybody alone. Let everyone live their life and let everyone love who they want to love. Like you said, as long as they're consenting adults, who the fuck cares? I don't know. The people that hide behind the, 
the people that hide behind wanting to protect children, right? So you've got the ban on drag shows. You've got the ban on drag queens, like, reading to children. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everybody's seen it because it's been on around on social media enough. But guns kill children more than drag queens do. And you're willing to stand on the corner and protect your gun because that's your right to have that? I just think shitty people kill children in general, like we've stated before. But I think that, that there are some people who probably shouldn't own firearms. Yes. I just, it goes back to, I brought it up before, that that they hide behind wanting to protect children when at the end of the day, it's not about protecting children. Because if you were protecting children, other matters would matter more. <laughs> If the whole world was protecting children, a lot of things would be different than they are now. My daughter was hugged by a drag queen at Pride and it was the happiest moment of her life. Do you know how many times she's played that video for me? So many times. She was like obsessed. Drag queen looked beautiful, was on fleek, as she said. I don't know what that Mm -hmm. means, but that's what Nova said to me. She also said some other weird stuff that I had no idea what it meant. We no longer speak their language. It's okay. We don't need to. We're old I was like, let me get Google out so I can Google what you just said to me. No clue. So, and then there was a singer there um, who is actually a teacher as well. They were talking about how they love to go to these events because they feel like they fit in. And to see the younger community being able to be themselves and how inspiring Mm -hmm. that was. And it was amazing. Like, it was very, I thought it was very family friendly. They did a great job. There was no hate. Everybody was loving and kind. Like, the people that argue that it's not family friendly have never been to an event to speak on it. So. Also, don't make it gross. You're the one who's making it gross. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, 100%. Not everybody looks at everything sexualized. Mm -hmm. You're the gross one. (laughs) Do we ever stop and think about what's wrong with me that I think that somebody who's dressed the way they want to dress is sexual? I'm just saying. We're probably going to get some hate for this episode, Jessica. That's right. Bring it. Just let people be happy. Like, life is hard. This world sucks. Let people be happy if it's two consenting adults. And focus on yourself. If it's more than two consenting adults. Relationships come in all shapes and sizes. If it's consenting adults, let them be. Let them be like bumblebee bats. I agree. Also, if we've offended you, go look at some pictures of some bumblebee bats and get the fuck over yourself. Thank you for listening. Additional information for each case can be found on our website, truthliesandalibis.buzzsprout.com. New episodes will be uploaded every Monday. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Truth Lies and Alibis.